Hello, and welcome to another, I guess, special episode of the What Are We Doing podcast, where we will be featuring once again the UFC. It is UFC 254, and I'm joined by my friend Nabil over at Binkit Betting, or I guess Binkit Sports. Yeah. Either way, go check him out. Go find him on Twitter. Go look at his blog. Dude's got great bets, and he's also probably one of the most informed UFC people that I know out there. So, Nabil... Before we get into the main card for 254, the shocking news today of Leon Edwards being kicked out of the welterweight division due to in, uh, inactivity, if you will. So first of all, do you think that was the right decision? And then secondly, what does that mean for the welterweight division? You know, honestly, I don't feel like it's the right move for the UFC just because um, you're losing such a good talent for absolutely no reason. The guy is super, super inactive. From what I've heard, he turns down a lot of fights, kind of wants to fight at his own time, which is understandable. But sometimes when you, other people are trying to make money at the same time, you kind of got to budge in and get in the octagon and fight regardless. I mean, just look at Gilbert Burns. How many, how many times did he fight You know, during the COVID, while well, COVID was going on? And he even tested positive for COVID and had to pull out of a fight, which was a title fight. So you, you'd look at that and you're, you kind of question what the UFC was thinking, I feel like it's a move for him to get off his ass and actually come into the octagon and fight. I think that's just one thing because the minute he'll come back, the minute he'll sign a new contract, whatever it is, they're going to put him back in there and he's going to be, you know, another top five talent that should be a force in the division. That division is so stacked, man. God, you know, Colby Covington, I believe should be, should, should be able to get the next shot, you know, at the title. If not, I'd like him to fight, you know, Gilbert Burns. That would be a sweet fight again, you know. Other than that, I feel like those three right now are kind of dominating that division with, uh, is Chimaev at 170 or 185? Uh, Chimaev, he is, well, not ranked, but he's, I think, more at a middleweight. So that's 185, yeah? 185, yeah. Yeah, but like you, you're pointing out, he Chimaev is one of those guys that's bouncing back and forth, but. I do want to jump on the fact when you're talking about the stacked welterweight division, I think Leon Edwards, like you pointed out, he's very picky with his fights. And I think he wanted to, he doesn't want to fight someone like Gilbert Burns because I think like he wants to pick and choose who he thinks he can beat and who he can win against. And I think especially with Burns's stock rising this year alone and because of COVID, it really hurt Edwards because of how restrictive England's policies were about leaving the country and going places and stuff like that. So it hurt Edwards there at the beginning of quarantine. And then as we got later on, it just seemed like he didn't want to fight anyone and he didn't want to fight Burns, who made the most sense to me about who he should have fought next. And even now after, you know, Burns beating uh, Tyron Woodley and being, you know, the new contender and getting that shot at Usman, and then he had to pull out obviously because of testing positive for COVID, it made sense for Edwards to say, hey, if I beat Burns, I'm that number one guy that I've been hyping myself up to be. So I think, as you pointed out, his, you know, not willing to accept fights and turning down fights really hurt him. And also, as soon as he signs that new contract, he's back up in there. But speaking for the future of the welterweight division, who does this now give the next title shot to? You said Covington, but do you think Burns should fight Covington first now, especially with Edwards leaving? Or should Covington get the rematch shot and Burns, unfortunately, gets left behind? You know, it's all about how the UFC wants to market this. They're going to look at it both ways. They're going to see which one is going to sell more 
where am I going to make more money? I think a lot of people at this time, especially with this election happening, want to see the Usman against Covington. Just, just for the shits and giggles, just because it adds a little spice to it, you know? And I feel like with the, with the UFC can put that together and put on a pay-per-view card and that will sell. Um, don't get me wrong. Covington Burns will be an amazing fight. Great fight. Both guys are great. You know, I, I, I even think Burns can probably sub Covington, but when you look at it from marketing perspective for the UFC, I feel like making a title fight with Covington is, you know, more on the table right now. That's what I, that's what I believe what's going to happen next, just because, you know, there's that fight was super close. I know Usman kind of dominated it in terms of striking Covington kind of came back in the later rounds and, you know, put in his work. You know, he says as a late stoppage or whatever he wants to do, but you know, your jaw got cracked five. All, six I was gonna say, all I know is his face got broken, and last time I checked, whoever got their face broken generally lost the fight, in my opinion. Oh yeah, regardless, TKO yeah. or decision, he would have yeah. lost three to two or you know uh, four to one on the judges' yeah. card. So, um, Usman is a beast. So this should make for an amazing fight again. Five rounds. Let's do it again. Run it back. If Covington thinks he's gotten much better at striking since the last time they fought, then let's do it. Let's see what happens. Should yeah. be, should regardless, should make for a great pay-per-view card. Yeah, as uh, two glorified marketing majors, uh, we could tell you that if we worked for the UFC, we'd be, we're just, we would beg for Covington Usman again rematch. But I think as an MMA purist, as someone who loves the sport and just loves the idea of like you want the best guys fighting. I want to see Burns fight Covington beforehand, but obviously this is a, it's a business. They got to make money. And at the end of the day, you have to do the Covington Usman fight first. And I feel so bad for Gilbert Burns, but he can fight someone like Steven Thompson or even Jorge Masvidal. And I think for Masvidal, it'd be a great test to fight Burns because then he'll show he's actually for real and not this kind of one knockout wonder that I'm going to be completely honest, he has become. You know, I was very big on Masvidal's stock once he knocked out Ben Askren. I was like, this is going to be the guy. I'm hyped up about him. But I think in recent fights, it's kind of shown that he's not ready to step up to that next level yet, that he still is the guy that, you know, is the backstreet brawler. And he has that, you know, thing. I, I can't find the words right now to describe Masvidal, which is terrible for a podcast. But nonetheless, I think Masvidal, the show that he really does that he believes that he belongs in that next level, he has to beat someone like Burns. So I hope in the upcoming months they announce Usman Covington. I wouldn't be mad if they announce Covington Burns or Burns Usman. But if, let's say, the Covington Usman fight happens, if I'm Jorge Masvidal, the person I'm calling out immediately is Gilbert Burns, guy who hasn't fought in six to seven months and saying, let's go, let's do this right now. I want to prove to everyone that I am this guy. Oh, yeah. Like, you you hit it spot on with Masvidal. I've watched this guy since forever. I believe I've even seen his first fight in the UFC as well. I'm pretty sure um, I've seen you in some of the videos in his street fighting in the background in Florida. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've seen you out there. I wish, man. Too bad I'm not from Miami. I probably would have been. I love fighting. You know, growing up in the Middle East as a younger, when I was a younger kid, you got to stand up for yourself. And I went to you know, school like uh, right across the street from a refugee camp. So you can only imagine the fights that we got in every single day, just playing soccer outside. But, you know, Jorge Masvidal, like you said, he has, every time he wants to like step in and take a big step for like, you know, for the gold, he kind of just like comes back and does his thing. 
Jorge should probably have zero losses in his career if he decides to fight half the time. You know, at the beginning in his career, dude wins like straight up, messes you up in the first round, coasts in the second round, doesn't do much, and then lets you do whatever you want in the third. And that's how he's had most of his losses in his career. Um, it's hard to put him away, so you can only imagine. I think he's only been knocked out once before. But yeah, like you said, um, I wish him all the best, especially Leon Edwards. Hopefully he can come back and put his stamp back on the division. Like I always say, once you hit the top five, you can't pick and choose no more. You got to fight the top five, and that's your only choice. You pick one of them, you probably don't have a chance. You got to fight the second guy, third or fourth. doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So it's up to him to make that decision and come back, and I wish him the best of luck. Moving on to this Saturday on which Americans, unfortunately, got to wake up super early for. I'll be at work until the main card. So luckily, I'm not going to be talking about the early prelims or prelims, but Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the main card. Starting off, a great Eastern European matchup. We saw this fight in February get stopped early. Magomed Ankalev versus, uh, you know what, Nabil, we all know. We saw this in the last UFC video. I don't know how to say names, and I'm so sorry, and I butcher these names. So, <laughs> Nabil, can you take this one off my hands for me, please, and just uh, say the two fighters' names? Yeah, definitely. So we got Magomed Ankalev um, versus Thank you, Steve. Kitalaba. So butchered both of those names. Didn't even try. <laughs> you know, sometimes it happens. Some of these guys got some ridiculous names, but we sit here and try our best. Looking at this fight, like you said, this fight should have happened. It already happened. And it kind of ended in such a horrible way, honestly. Like Kutalaba just decided to play possum standing up and looked like he was getting knocked out. Referee stepped in. He had no idea what's going on. Kind of stopped the fight. Two seconds later, he starts flailing his hands and going like, dude, I'm okay. Like, I was just acting. That's, that's not going to get you the W um, in the fighting game. You look like you're asleep. You might as well be asleep. And Kalayev, amazing striking. Kutalaba, great striking. Powers on Kutalaba's side, but man, and Kalayev can hit hard too. The more volume you put on, the more you can hurt a guy. He's super accurate. Really good leg kicks. I don't think Kutalaba, if maybe he wants to decide to come in and try to wrestle him, he is a really good Greco-Roman wrestler, which can take pick you up and pound you down to the ground. But knowing Ankalaev, he wants to come in and just strike. So these guys are going to stand, swing bombs. I see this ending the same exact way. Ankalaev should be able to get the finish, maybe the first, second round. That's pretty much it from what I got it. For the odds, you know, just because I wrote everything um, this week without looking at the odds at minus 300, I'll go ahead and take a stab at Ankalaev. He is a parlay piece for me. At minus 300, a single bet, you need to put $300 in at 100 bucks. Um, unless you're playing with a $2,000 bankroll on a, or more on a certain night, you're not going to be successful. So yeah, minus 300, if your bookie offers you a better odds, obviously, by finish, I usually go and bet on Fox. You know, I, I bet on Fox Bet all the time just because they offer you the double bonus, which is you can take a fighter by KO or decision. And instead of paying minus 300 right now, and Kalive is paying minus 225. So that's 75 cents right there on your bet. And that's really good. And that gives you a double chance in case it went to decision, you still win your money. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, like you touched upon earlier, the fight got stopped too early in February. It was also not that memorable of a card. I think there's a championship fight. Is Figueredo uh, been. See, this is why I don't want to say names because I'm so bad at names. Either way. Was it Cody Garbrandt on that? I, I thought was, that. Oh, no, no, no. It was Davison Figueredo versus is, uh, Joseph uh, Benavides. Yes, Benavides. I can't say his name because they 
because I'm just terrible and I'm white. And that's my <laughs> only excuse is I'm a white American and I'm very mean to all these people. And I'm very sorry. But like you said, that that fight got stopped early. They tried to get this fight back up and it's taken them eight months to essentially bring this fight back. So hopefully, you know, this is the start of the main card. We're going to get a lot of good fireworks out of this fight. Like you said, this is going to be a mainly stand-up fight and that's all we can hope for. You know, I'm going to trust your opinion on this one. Uh, I'm going to take the Russian over the guy from Moldova just because, uh, you know, Russia's bigger. That's my new excuse. We're doing territory <laughs> bets now. Last uh, last time around, it was trash tattoos. Now it's just who's from the bigger country. That's my new. Uh, trash tattoos has not been working out. If you don't know what trash tattoos is, it's essentially you pick the guy who is the trashier <laughs> tattoos. Doesn't work, but it's a hit or miss sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you'd, you'd hit like a few good underdogs and then boom, one like favorite just shits in your apple pie. Yeah, like it is it is a very hit or miss thing. But if you hit with the trash tattoos, oh, my God, you hit big. But oh, yeah. moving on to a fight where I don't know if there are many trash tattoos. <laughs> the uh, Lauren Murphy versus Lilia Shakarova. Uh, oh, you got some trash tattoos at Lauren Murphy, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, what? I didn't even realize that. Oh, my God. There is a hip tattoo on her. Oh, Everything. There, this might be a problem for Shakarova, but. Lauren Murphy is number five in this weight class. Do you think that Shakarova, I think she's making her debut in the UFC, is going to pose a lot of problems for Murphy? Or is Murphy going to be like, welcome to the UFC. This is what it's about. I'll go with the second option. I think Lauren Murphy is going to be like, welcome to the UFC. Let's show you a good time. Murphy is a gritty fighter. The girl used to be into hardcore drugs like heroin, even I believe she might have OD'd before. Don't quote me on that one. But I know that she did have issues in the past with drugs. And when you overcome something like this, it builds a character on you. Um, there, you People that, you know, in the UFC that you've seen have had drug overdoses or just have dealt with drugs before are so gritty, so tough. You literally have to, like, kill them to take them out of that place. I don't see Lilia Shakirova posing any problems just off watching her tape she's super green she might have you know potential in the UFC in a 125 pound division but Lauren Murphy is too much right now for her in her UFC debut I feel like there could have been like 10 15 other girls they could have put her against and maybe she would have had a decent show and I feel like Lauren can just strike tip and tap on her she even hits hard she can take her down she can grab the neck I feel like she can either win a decision or probably a late, late, late round knockout is something that I see like a third round TKO when the other girl just can't take it no more. And uh, what are the odds for Murphy? What is she at right now? Do you know? Yeah, let's take a look right now. Murphy's sitting at minus 220. I like okay. that. So I kind of made, I made like a parlay the beginning of the week with all 12 fights. I threw $50 on it. It wins like eight grand. It's something that you always, something that I do as a better if you don't parlay UFC, you're not having fun. I bet single fights, but those are specific, no fun in that. There's no fun specific in that. odds that I have to see. Like, like a tight Tuivasa, I put a straight, you know, one unit bet on it, which is a hundred dollars on when he was plus one hundred. Now he's at minus one ten. You know, I put a few other bets down the road, which I'll probably mention. So yeah, another another parlay piece minus two twenty. Feel free to put her in there. Feel comfortable. Um, it's one of the fights that I feel like I'm pretty keen on that she could win. Moving on, we got in the middleweight division, a debut in Jacob Malcolm versus Philip. 
And again, this is an easy last name, Hayes, but I think it's Haas, but I'm not even sure. Is it Haas? Yeah, it's Phil Haas versus Phil Jacob. Haas, thank you. Yeah. I'll get him someday. Someday I'll get it. See, I'm really hurting myself as someone who thinks they're knowledgeable of the UFC because I can't say half these people's names. So I, bl- I chopped that one up to, you know, me Phil just Hughes. not being able to read. <laughs> Phil Hughes is uh, fairly, he's, you know, fairly new to MMA. Uh, Jacob Malkoon, same, same, same for him. Even he has four fights in his career. Um, Phil Haas is a little bit more polished just because, you know, he's been on the contender series. He's fought a little upper talent, I would believe, than Malkoon fighting on the regional scene. So you, you, you look at both these guys, honestly, uh, I feel like Phil Haas could, should pass this test um, with ease in his UFC debut. The dude has insane power. He's a straight beast in the octagon. He can pick you up, toss you down on the ground, transition, ground and pound. If you try to get back up, he'll strike with you again. Um, his gas tank is also pretty decent. I hope it doesn't go past the second round. I see this ending uh, by a KO for Philip Haas, for Phil Haas. So that would be my pick. I wish the best to Jacob, and hopefully we'll see him again in the UFC against somebody with less power, I would believe. <laughs> Let's see a yeah. grappling fight or something. What are the odds for uh, Haas to win this weekend? He's sitting at minus 275. Man, I feel like this is going to be the thing today. All the people that I like are like minus 300, minus 250, minus 275. But it's also minus 275. That's a great parlay piece. If you would take Murphy, Haas right now, and Magomed and Kalaev at minus 275, minus 220, minus 300, they'll pay out plus, plus money at the end of the day. Maybe minus 105, but most likely it'll be a, maybe plus 100. So you get your three fighters, you're getting plus money as a gambler. If you're not trying to put more than three in a parlay, there you go. Seems like a safe parlay bet. Again, trusting you on this one. I did not do much research on that middleweight bout. I was doing more research on the final three fights of the night. So let's start off with the heavyweight matchup. The one before the two, I guess, main events. Are they counting the Whitaker fight as a co-main event? Do you know? Yeah, it should be the co-main. All right. Well, we'll do the fight first. That's before the co-main. Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris, a great heavyweight bout. Always got to have one good heavyweight fight on the card. Otherwise, I don't want any part of it. So they're both coming off some tough losses. Uh, Volkov lost to Blades back in June. Walt Harris lost to uh, Overeem uh, in May after, of course, the death of his stepdaughter, which, you know, is very tough on him. And it's been very tough, I think, on the MMA community alone. So the question I ask you is, who do you see is most likely to bounce back? I'm leaning a little bit more towards Harris. I think just because Volkov has a lot of wear and tear on him, that doesn't necessarily mean much in the heavyweight because all you need is one punch. But what are your thoughts on this fight? You know, this is a pretty interesting fight. You look at Walt Harris and the dude is super athletic, powerful, but his gas tank is almost non-existent. You know, anytime his fights have gone past the first round, it goes to decision if he doesn't, you know, get put out. And his volume just drops and drops in the second, and drops again in the third, and it's basically non-existent then. And if fighting a guy like Volkov could be a bad matchup for him because if you can't put him out in the first round and Volkov is not easy to put out, he has been knocked out before as a heavyweight, it happens. But if Walt Harris is going to try to come in and go punch for punch with Volkov in the first and it doesn't work out for him and he gasses out, Volkov has good throws. He can also get a good double leg and take you down. Walt Harris has no idea how to defend a takedown. And once, once you're on top of Walt Harris, he kind of just turns around 
to side gives you like perfect control. You can go to side from there. You can mount him from there. I mean, just look at what Overeem did to him. Like once the fight went to the ground, it was basically over after he actually dropped Overeem twice in that fight and cut him up. But once the fight went down, that's it for Harris. Unfortunately, as, as a heavyweight, when you're this big and you're good at one thing, you do practice jujitsu, wrestling, everything. But you're, that's, not, that's not what you're good at. So you kind of always you know, drill what you're good at and then kind of practice in the background. Be like, yeah, I'll defend a takedown here and there, especially with Volkov. He's probably not thinking about that too much. Walt Harris has a puncher's chance in this fight. Honestly, Volkov should be able to just put it put up his high output if he wants a time to take down and put him on put him on his butt so be it i feel like he can do the same thing um volkov has submissions in his career he has ground and pound knockout before in his career so like i said um i do agree with you with walt harris being has ha- having a chance to bounce back but i think volkov might be too much for him right now so that will be my pick and i i, I feel like volkov can probably take this to the decision if anything, maybe late stoppage, if anything. Yeah, I think when you put it like that, obviously it makes Volkov look like the superior fighter, but we're talking about heavyweights here. Again, one punch makes yep. all the difference in the world, and that's, I think, where Walt Harris is. That's his specialty. And like you said, like we watched that Overeem Harris you know, main event. Harris won that first round. He looked good, but like you said, once Overeem took it to the ground, Harris doesn't know what he's doing down there, and you make a valid point with that. So that's why... You know, I'm not going to welch on my pick of Harris. I like Harris, you know, getting that early punches in and just going for an insane, stupid barrage on Volkov. I think he's going to try to punch his way to a win in the first round. But for people that are worried that this is going to go past the second round in terms of betting, if Volkov survives the first round, uh, just looking at uh, Walt Harris's career, especially in the UFC, uh, he's only won two fights in the UFC that have gone past the first round. So, mm-hmm. and we're talking about a dude who's got 13 wins and in the UFC, he's got only one, two, three, four, five, six. So, and you know, he's 50, 50 in the UFC also, he's also six and six, I believe. So when you look at it like that, you, if you want to bet and you want to make the safe bet, I would pick Volkov decision or a late round winner. But if you're feeling if you're feeling spicy, if you're feeling like you want to go crazy a little bit, I think a Walt Harris first round knockout is not a crazy pick to take and not a crazy thing to happen because he's done it before and he'll probably do it again. Uh, oh. are, are, I was asking you, are you looking the odds up for what it is a Walt Harris first round knockout would oh, be? I'm pulling it out right now just to see the juice on it because I like I like um Volkov in my parlays, but if we're doing single bet here, single fight bet. We're doing a this single is, this fight. Is the move. You know, let's see. Walt Harris by just knockout pays plus two ten. If you take Walt Harris to win in round one, it's plus four hundred. That's straight oh. juice. Oh, um, give me that. Bucks. Give me that money. You know, fifty. That's that. a two fifty right there with your fifty back. So, that's yeah, exactly. Bet. You want to cover that parlay bets, and you want to make sure you don't lose. That's not a terrible idea. Oh no, not at all. So if you take out, see. I personally took Volkov by knockout or decision, and that paid out minus two, minus one twenty-five instead of minus one seventy-five. In my parlays, like I said, I don't dick around with the double bonus in in big twelve-team parlays, ten-team parlays. Right. I'll go ahead and pick straight up money line because I don't want to sweat a decision or a knockout. 
no one ever wants to do that. I don't like doing that. Trust me, I have gone all the way till the main event. Last week, I had an I had an eleven team parlay. I was ten out of ten. I had a fifteen hundred dollar cash out available to just click on, and I missed my chance. And I was like, ah, the Korean zombie is gonna come in and whoop his oh, ass. And then the first round started, and I saw that money basically disappear a hundred at a so after the first round ended, I was being offered a fifteen hundred dollar cash out and that dropped to like three fifty. No. And I was like, fuck. And that's when I knew I was like, oh maybe, maybe, maybe he'll do it again in the second, maybe he'll do it in the third, maybe he'll do it in the fourth. Man, he got fucked up all five rounds, and I was completely wrong. I lost a what well, I think I texted you. I was like, I lost a five G parlay. You yeah. Know? Um, should have taken a thousand dollars, but Hey, if you're not going for it, you're not having fun. I, I probably would have had more fun, you know, cashing out a G, but <laughs> yeah. looking well, at speaking, it right now, like, speaking of that fight, before we get to, I guess, what would be another title contender fight with Whitaker and, uh, uh, Kenanier, looking at Brian Ortega. Wow. I was impressed. That was, I think the best I've seen Brian Ortega, you know, he's been a little bit down, especially with his fights against Max Holloway and Holloway just absolutely dominating him. This looks like the, this looks like amazing Brian Ortega. I mean, for a second, I was like, did Ortega fly to fucking Hawaii and try to get some lessons from Max Holloway? Cause he was looking sharp. I mean, I've never seen a performance like that. No, ever. I mean, look, in my in my blog, I even wrote about it. My first sentence about this fight was like, I really hope Brian Ortega's striking has gotten a lot better. And holy shit, what the fuck has happened in those last two years is insane. I feel yeah. like this is a completely different human being. His striking looks like he's somebody that's been doing Muay Thai or like kickboxing for the last 20 years. And he's barely 26 years old. Wait, he's ba- I thought he was a lot. Oh, my God. that makes me excited for that division but continue on with your point sorry i didn't know he was that young oh he's 29 sorry he's 29 okay that makes me a little less excited (laughs) still 29 dude this is your prime so yeah ufc fighters throughout throughout my whole life of watching ufc guys are so like you'll see guys that are 21 22 23 24 that are really really good but you're like man if this guy fights like jose aldo like he'll get his ass whooped for example like at the time, but now you'll look at it and you're like, these guys progress year by year, fight by fight. You're like, man, the coaches out there are ridiculous. The game planning out there is so good in some gyms that it's not even funny. Um, and then you look at it and you're like, how could Brian Ortega go from the guy that fought Max Holloway to the guy that fought Korean Zombie? And he just he, he just looks like a 360 degrees different, not 180, not 90. 360 he's not the same fighter he didn't go for his bs like gay teens he didn't go for his bs like so sorry i'm not calling bs but like fluky submissions that he's been getting in his career don't get me wrong he's amazing adam you need to be good to get those submissions you need to have a grip from hell to get that squeeze so at that time you're looking at it and i think it adds a lot of intrigue to the featherweight division you know i was one of the people that was really adamant about holloway fighting volkanovsky again I thought they needed to run that back after this last uh, title fight, but you know, obviously, this fight last weekend, it was a, it was it was a championship, uh, or I guess, decider fight, mm-hmm. and I I think Ortega proved that he deserves a, uh, a I guess a title shot now, and I'm just excited for that. If this is the Ortega that we're getting for the future, and to reinvent himself like that, 
makes me excited. But speaking of guys moving up the weight class, <laughs> we're going to jump back to middleweight. 1v2, Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier, the guy that gets to fight Israel Adesanya next. What I find very interesting about uh, Cannonier is, is that the last two fights he lost were to the guys who fought for the light heavyweight title. So, and he's been since cutting weight and going down to middleweight, it's been one of his last three fights, beat guys like Anderson Silva. He's there. So I guess the question I pose to you is, is that does Robert Whitaker, you know, is he still that guy? Is he still the top dog? And he's got to prove himself when he, he beats Israel Adesanya or is the fresh blood really going to make the difference in this fight? You know, honestly, I really, really like the killer gorilla in this one. Mm -hmm. The dude is an absolute beast. You know, his fight against Dominic Reyes, he left something. He left a, you know, little sour taste in my mouth after that fight. But Dominic Reyes is a really good fighter. You know, that was a 205. Um, Jan Balhovitz also was against, uh, was also a 205. And we all just saw that Jan just knocked out that Dominic Reyes. So he lost them by decision, lost the race by punches. It's a little off. You know, his, his career has been up and down. But right now, I believe he joined an, the MMA lab, um, if I'm not mistaken. So when you go to the MMA lab in Glendale, Arizona, I, your game just, you know, is going to transition. The dude used to train, I believe, in Alaska. I don't, I, I can't remember the gym, but he is from Alaska. He trained at a gym in Alaska, and he was one of the coaches at that gym. And he used to teach a bunch of like, you know, eight to 15 year olds all day long and then having to train for his fights. So now not having to do that, he can focus all on himself and on his career. And the guy shows it right after, knocked out David Branch. Um, Anderson Silva just kind of knocked out himself via leg kick. He just broke his kick. He just broke his leg on the killer gorilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can only imagine how hard this dude is. Um, Jack Hermanson just quit in the second round. He was too powerful for him. He had no, nothing for him at the end of the day. He knew he was going to lose that fight. And now you get Robert Whitaker. And holy shit, this man has taken way too much damage for my likings. Honestly, mm -hmm. way too much damage just let's let's look at this robert whitaker got slapped by israel adesanya right yeah in the second round he took way too much damage darren till dropped him put some damage on him although he won that fight mm -hmm. y'all romero they fought twice i think y'all won those both of both of those fights just saying maybe the second one i feel like he i feel like he won the first one the second one was close well, the um, second one, Yoel missed weight. So, I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of a yeah, disadvantage there. They said he missed his 185.2, but I'm confused. I thought middleweight is 185. So, you he know what? I'm ignoring weight. that side comment. That's yeah. a lie. He did not miss weight. Anytime I could say Yoel Romero is the champion, I will always <laughs> say it. So, yes, I'm for this pro Yoel Romero propaganda. Yoel Romero <laughs> is a freaking fire hydrant. He's a freaking tree stump dude, just full of muscle. But... Robert Whitaker did not take, what is it? They fought in July, July. Oh my God. Dude, his last fight was in July. Prior to that, he got knocked out in 2019 in October. So it's been a year since he got knocked out by Israel Adesanya and gotten almost his ass whooped by Darren Till. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Bobby Knuckles is a great fighter. He was the champ, big guy, strong, smart, but, um, the damage that he's taken, like I would say it again, it's too much. And now he's making a turnaround quickly right after that against the killer gorilla. 
might be a little too much for him. Although he was the champion, it's, it's weird saying something like that when the dude is 21 and five versus an 11 and four guy. Yeah. But they have been going in different trajectories and looking at Jared Cannonier, I feel like he can put his stamp on the division and try to elevate himself by beating Whitaker and maybe hoping for a title shot. I don't think he'll get one, but he'll, he'll, be, he'll be at least next in line. Yeah, I was going to ask you before we get on who do you like on betting-wise, uh, is there any reason to worry about Whitaker being seven years younger than Cannoneer? And also, you brought up fighting last. The last time Cannoneer fight fought, it was actually my 20th birthday. So it's been essentially two year and a really a year and a half since Cannoneer has fought. So, yeah. Um... See, it goes both ways. Like I said, one has been on the shelf for a year and a half, and one is making his turnaround after being knocked out from yeah. a year ago and then taking another fight in July against Darren Taylor, also taking more damage. The age difference is you are 100% correct, but look at the 21 fights, 26 fights for um, Robert Whitaker at 29 years old versus 15 fights at 37 years old for Jared Cannonier. Yeah you can only imagine how much shit he's taken in all these fights. And that just puts a toll on you, whether you win or not. Um, people are still punching you back. Uh, Steven Thompson even floored him back in 2014. Hoon Kim subbed him in 2011, but I'm just going back too far away right now. Well, I was going to ask is, is that is the Hermanson win for Cannoneer more important than the till win for Whitaker? I think when we look in the context of the two, you know, Whitaker, he in this division at least has a better resume you know Cannoneer yes he did beat Anderson Silva yes he did beat uh who's that other person we said David Branch but when you look at the rankings and you look at it the only real person he's beat is Jack Hermanson while Whitaker's beaten everyone in that division and is like the guy in that division still nonetheless so I guess when you look at the big picture of everything which win, or I guess their well, most their last fight, which one has a bigger impact for the fighter? Does the Till win tell Whitaker that I'm still this dog, or does the Hermanson win for Cannoneer say this is going to become my division now? You know, Jack Hermanson is a really, really good fighter. Um, he's he's up there, and I also believe that the fact that the so it's the, it's how the win unfolded. Jack mm-hmm. Hermanson was stomped in the second round, like. He was almost going to be out in the first round and had that chance at the bell to like survive basically and go back. And the minute the second round started, he just did not want to fight. He looked so scared. You see his face. If you replay that fight, I was looking at it. When he was sitting down talking to his coach, he was looking straight in front of him at Jared Cannonier with so much fear. It was like you're looking at like a bison that is about to run you over basically. (laughs) And the minute he stood up, he stared at the ground and he came back forward. They tapped their hands and he hit him with two punches and he fell down on the ground and he said, I don't want to do this no more. Yeah. So he hit him with an uppercut and blasted him on the ground. And that was it. On the other side, you got Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till. And that fight was awful in the first round. Second round was good. Third round was all Till. And th- the fact that I felt like it was a split decision um, for Robert Whitaker, but hey, I'm not a judge. So yeah, I think that Hermanson win for Jared Kinnanier plays a much bigger role for it's just just because, you know, you come out of knockout of Anderson Silva and Hermanson, that's two back-to-back KOs, your momentum is on your side versus Robert Whitaker got knocked out, silly, against Israel Adesanya. 
and then he goes against Darren Till and doesn't have his best fight. So it just shows you that like he's going down while the other guy's going up. Yes, I agree with that. And now for our your specialty, the betting corner, who do you got and who do you like on these odds and betting wise? Who I guess is Cannoneer? I don't think Cannoneer's the favorite, but do you like him as the uh, the dog pick, if you will? Yeah, right now, uh, Jared Cannonier was a little bit of an underdog earlier, but right now it's sitting at minus 112 apiece. Mm. Um, I'll go ahead and juice it up and take him by knockout or decision. It pays out plus 125 on Fox bet. So yeah, that'd probably be my bet, honestly, to not, you know, sway the, you know, the, the viewers away from this. I will tell you, I do not have this fight in any of my parlays. None. Zero. I wouldn't put this fight on my parlays either. I, I agree with that 100%. It's too mm-hmm. too close to even think about it. You want to make it juicy? Maybe uh, take Jared Cannonier and um, Walt Harris to win by first round knockout and parlay that. Throw 10 bucks. I'll probably net you like 250 bucks. I mean, if um, you got money, do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. If you just look, I blow like five, $10 on stupid stuff every single like hour betting, basically. I always say, if you're not playing, you ain't winning. So that this is my, my tip. It would be is like, take Cannoneer. If you really like Whitaker, take Whitaker. Um, it's a split fight. Who do you feel is going to come on top? Go ahead and do it. I would not recommend putting it in any parlays. Like if you have a 12 team parlay, make it 11. I would say the best way to describe betting this fight is this is actually the fight you want to call one of your friends up on. And let's say, Hey, let's bet on this fight. All $10, whoever the winner is. Yeah. And take you pick a the guy that you team. like. Oh, yeah. That, that's how I would do this fight when we're talking about <laughs> betting. Yeah, text all your friends that like Bobby Knuckles. Be like, dude, I'm just taking Ken and Nier. You got 50 bucks? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I would do it. But now, time for the main event. For the number one guy in the lightweight division, probably one of my favorite fighters right now to just watch, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. You see how I slowed it down to pronounce it properly? That's, I was going to get at least one name right. I got the one that, you know, is the title. But so before we even get into betting and stuff like that, obviously it's going to come down. It's a classic striker versus grappler fight. It's, it's what we love to watch in mixed martial arts. So Nabil, let me ask you, who do you got winning this fight before we talk about betting on this fight? I got Khabib winning this fight. Um, as much as it pains me to say that, I love Justin Gaethje. I think everyone does. I think everyone loves Gaethje. You know, before he even made it to the UFC, I've been watching this guy and he was this absolute savage with his leg kicks and punches. And he just basically ransacked every single human being. But you'd look at it and you're like, he's honestly, you know, let's just go back. In the WSOF, when Gaethje was fighting there, nobody could have stopped him. Nobody was able to stop him. He Maybe he's gone to decision maybe like once, I believe, at WSOF. World Series of Fighting, if nobody knows what that is. Um, yes, he only had one decision. Yeah. In see, which it was a split decision win for him. And I've seen every single fight from him, from 2011 all the way till 2020 now. I love this dude. I feel... You know, his knockout losses to Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez also left a sour taste in my mouth. But Dustin Poirier is a straight beast and Eddie Alvarez after, you know, I feel like he had three faces in that fight coming out of one face. But he landed a knee right in the clinch and kind of ended the fight. You know, the way Justin Gaethje fights is just like kill or be killed. And he ended up being killed those two fights. 
And he said right after that, he was like, I don't think I can do this for much longer. And then he steps back into the octagon and he slaps James Vick, Edson Barbosa, Donald Cerrone, and Tony Ferguson. I mean, he did three of those were in the first round and the Tony Ferguson was an absolute thrashing until Tony Ferguson was like, I'm done. Referee, stop the fight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, but Khabib is a different beast than all these guys that I've named. You know, I'm not even going to go towards the Michael Johnson or Luis Firmino or Brian Foster back then, but you'd look at these guys, James Vick, Barbosa, Cerrone, Tony Ferguson. None of these guys wrestle, not zero. They have no idea what a, what a takedown is. Okay. Maybe Donald Cerrone has an Mm -hmm. idea what a takedown is. Um, but he rarely goes for it. Tony Ferguson usually relies on you to take him down or drop him to sub you from bottom. You know, plus he's joined Elevation Fight Team in Colorado here, so he's even closer to home. I've Got seen, I've seen Elevation. I've seen videos of this dude training at fourteen thousand elevation. He's basically him and his coach has been saying that they they've been hiking up mountain and then training up there. You know, people usually in Colorado drive to a 14er. These guys, you know, you know, run all the way there. Justin Gaethje's freaking gas tank is unbelievable. But that, I can also say the same thing about Habib. So this is actually something I wanted to ask you. You know, yeah. I, I before the uh, Dustin Poirier match, uh, I was watching a lot of Habib tape. I mean, even before this one, I'm always constantly watching Habib tape because we're talking about one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time argue i mean he wants to fight gsp next no matter what which i wish gsp was 10 years younger because i would pay too much money to watch that fight in person but oh, yeah do you think that geishi has to look at the al iaquinta fight you know al iaquinta i think it was matt sarah who was in his corner and really worked on his wrestling and it was probably one of the few times we've seen khabib in the ufc look human in the sense because uh, Iaquinta did a great job, you know, stuffing a lot of the takedowns, keeping the fight up on the feet. And mm-hmm. I've been reading that a lot of people are saying Geishi has a secret weapon and that he is actually a very good wrestler and stuff like that. So I guess at the end of the day, is Geishi going to be able to keep this fight on the feet? Is he going to look at the Iaquinta tape and try to figure out how to best do that? Or is Habib just going to overpower him? So an Quinta fight, that fight was like on maybe like three days notice or two days notice for either one. Habib kind of just came in and just did his thing. I, he looked terrible in that fight in terms of like, he knows he's just going to do his thing and win this fight. So he didn't really try that much. That's what I, I saw it coming as. Mm. Alec Quinta is a good wrestler, but he's not like this wrestler you would talk about. Justin Gaethje was a straight champion in high school. Uh, and then in college, he wrestled a D1 and he was fairly good at it but none of his fights in his whole career somebody tried to wrestle him so I can't really tell you and nobody in his whole career has the same wrestling chops as Habib so I can't really say that either you know if he wants to be successful in this fight and I believe he can and he has a really good chance and there's a reason why these are the lowest odds you'd be able to get on Habib in his last what like eight fights even Connor was plus 500 underdog against Habib. So yeah. you look at it that way. And if, if, if he can land those vicious leg kicks on Khabib, on Habib from the beginning, oh man, this is going to be a completely different fight. Because Habib's leg is not, or they're not invincible. Nobody has kicked them before. So mm-hmm. imagine, imagine being kicked by a mule basically now 
and, and Justin Gaethje because that dude kicks like a horse. I just want to know what, what, what is that going to do to Habib's legs? Are the leg kicks going to even land or is he just going to be able to take him down right at the beginning? This fight is ridiculous to call. Just, you know, I, I did say Habib at the, at the beginning just because the dude is 28 and 0 and he has not been beat before and he showed you what he could do to get the W. And in order for Justin Gaethje to win, win this fight, he needs to either, you know, hammer him with leg kicks where he's not able to get the takedowns anymore because he does a lot of his work with his feet and his knees and he gets you to the fence. If he can stay away from the fence, avoid the leg kicks, get his takedowns, Habib will win this, obviously, handedly. Mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje, if he lands his leg kicks, avoids the, avoids the fence, stand in the pocket and try to strike with him and defend takedowns, he'll also win this fight handedly. So this is why I'm having a strong, like I'm having a bad time trying to have like an official, official pick. Although I did already make it official with Habib, but, but not an official betters pick is a better way of putting it. Yeah. In terms of just a prediction, I'll go with Habib to win. This is another fight that I do not have in all of my parlays. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of left it away because there's so much juice going down. And at the end of this, I'll go ahead and give um, the viewers and the listeners picks from top to bottom but looking at this in the last two fights in the co-main and the main event you're like a minus 350 he is a parlay piece yes at plus 270 no way i'd touch that in a parlay but you'd look at it both ways and for the people that like walt harris and like justin gaethje you know those are two really really good bets to make on their own if you think that these guys can get the finish go ahead and bet them by knockout or you know, bet them to win because you're looking at plus 160, plus 270. If you combine both those two and put $20 on it, that'll net you double digits money. So I was going to yeah. bring up the, uh, the Geishi. Uh, what are the odds on him winning by or TKO, KO, and also Habib winning just by submission? Because if I'm being honest, I think Habib is going to try to take this to the ground. He's going to try to submit Geishi. You know, I think a lot of a lot of things people are kind of not really talking about as much as I would want people to talk about is how well uh, Habib fought Edison Barbosa. And we're talking about Barbosa is one of the greatest strikers ever in the lightweight division. I think when we talk about who is great strikers in the UFC, Barbosa is one of the first names mentioned and he's up there with Geishi in terms of striking. And I think when we look at Habib, he's done the dance with the strikers before he beat Connor, he beat Barbosa. And I think Geishi's just not, faced a wrestler like Habib it's a totally different style of wrestling that he's used to and I don't know how he's gonna you know prepare for it yeah he's a local guy he went to University of Northern Colorado so you know shout out Greeley you guys smell like cow shit no offense it's true <laughs> that's the fact everybody knows it but nonetheless what are these uh what are the fun betting odds on this fight so what is the uh I don't know what you're looking at first but uh Geishi win by KOTKO and Habib by submission so they do have a boost on Fox bet for Habib by submission that pays out plus 300 instead of plus 187. Um, they're just trying to get my money. That looks like uh, they're trying to get my money bet. Oh, on Fox bet. Yeah, they have it like on a bet boost. It says four times your money if Khabib Nurmagomedov gets a submission at plus 300. So I want to see what the max bet they have on that. What's Probably this? $50. Probably because those are boosts. So they usually like minimize them to like, 25, 25 to 50. 25. Oh, yeah. So 25 nets you $100 and could be winning by submission. That's a solid bet to take on its own. Mm-hmm. Gechi to win inside the distance is plus 400. Now, that's that's not a bad bet at all to say he's going to win inside the distance because 
I only see Gaethje winning if he knocks him out. I don't think he can win if this round, if this fight goes past three rounds. Mm-hmm. I think the wrestling is going to break him down. You do bring up a very interesting point, which is Habib has to worry about the leg kicks, and that will definitely take an effect on him. But I think Gaethje worrying so much about defending the takedown is going to do more in terms of, you know, conditioning. Like you said, he's been running like crazy up here in the mountains. He's oh, yeah. built up the conditioning like it's nobody's business. But we're talking about a dude who wrestled bears as a kid, all right? That conditioning is better than anything any American could produce, in my opinion. It's completely different, yeah, because – so fighting five hard rounds striking is fighting – is different than fighting five hard rounds wrestling. People can't wrestle sometimes for more than one round. You'd see a lot of guys that fight Habib and like Dustin Poirier has an amazing gas tank. Um, and it showed you like once he started taking him down, trying to defending takedowns takes a lot of energy. Standing up after being taken down takes a lot of energy. You know, as much as energy Dustin Gaethje has, I think he'll zap it out of him in the third round. Mm-hmm. So if this goes, like you said, you know, past the third, it's Khabib, it's Habib all the way from there. So either if he wants to sub him, I think he can get it. If he wants to pound him out on the ground, maybe. But I see Justin Gaethje moving around. He won't go to sleep from bottom. But yeah, this is this is close. But honestly, if I wanted to bet, I'll just go ahead and bet Habib to win. Yeah. Um, Justin Gaethje is like side bets. I always hedge myself, just like how I said I'll probably bet Whitaker to win, just in case my you know Jared Cannonier bet went trash. So. I usually have a lot of hedge parlays going from top to bottom just in case because you never know what happens. Any fight that goes to the judge's decision and they're like, oh, this guy won 30-27. Well, this dude did not land more than three punches, sir. How did you win? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe one day we'll have good judging in the UFC. One day. Like we just need a computer. Yeah, maybe. Just get a computer that, that, you know, studies the fight, the output done by each fighter, um, the damage received by each fighter the control time by each fighter you know sometimes judges don't give a shit about takedowns well this guy got like six takedowns and landed 20 significant strikes but the other dude landed 40 significant strikes and defended like four takedowns yeah and, and then they give the other guy the win i'm like okay well one dude worked way harder than the other yeah but maybe just like baseball maybe if we can have a computer do the strike zone from now on i think you'd have a much um less cheesy game is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as someone who's a baseball purist, I'm not a big fan of the robot strike zone. I like having human error, even though I had gotten screwed many a times in my career because I'm pretty short. So my strike zone got screwed a lot of the times when it got lower and I would have appreciated an automated strike zone. But I agree with the point that UFC judging is very hit or miss. That It seems a lot of the time they get decisions wrong and that they aren't look at a lot of times they're watching a different fight that we were watching. Uh, I don't know if you follow boxing as much as uh, my household does, but the Lomachenko-Lopez fight, the oh, one judge yeah. had it 119-109. I thought Lopez won. Lopez yeah. looked way better than Lomachenko. But the fact that they said that he won 10 rounds, I was that was a little far-fetched. I thought that it was going to be like, I got to do math in my head now, 118-110, 118-111. Like, you know, most... 115 113 116 112 and so yeah i saw like eight i mean i saw like what was it seven rounds to three yeah i think it was seven rounds to three i think lomachenko took lopez way too lightly coming into that game he stole a lot of money from me yeah um, (laughs) a lot of other people out there yeah um he did not show up to that fight lopez just pieced him up apart just anything he wanted happened his footwork was amazing his striking was on point 
Um, Lomachenko looked like he was lost in the first five rounds and then kind of realized what the fuck is happening in this fight. Too late, buddy. Um, thanks for, you know, burning some dollars for us. But uh, he's a young guy. He'll bounce back again. He should be fine. Um, yeah. Good for Lopez. I should have bet on him. Man, fucking odds were huge. This is why you got to bet on Americans. Bet only – he's a bigger country. He's from a bigger country. Yeah. It's, it's the new theory. You know, he – he came, he, he came out. I can't even take myself seriously with that line. It's that's such a <laughs> stupid reason. They got a bigger country. That's why you should bet on them. It works in like MMA because most of the time if people come from a smaller country and they don't train in America or like in Europe or like in Australia, yeah. like they're usually trash. And I hate to say that because like the competition that you're like fighting in Slovakia on the freaking regional scene is trash compared to just being here and fighting guys in Arizona and like Florida yeah. and different places. You're going to get more talent here because we have more people here. So, yeah. and it's not like they're all Americans that are fighting here. We have foreigners we all over everyone. the place. So, we are yeah. a country of immigrants and it's we, a melting pot. Exactly. We are the melting pot of the world. But before we wrap this up, we want to hear what is your 12, uh, is it 12 fights through all early prelim or Whatever so you got, whatever you want to share betting-wise with the listeners, we'd love to hear what is your one, I guess, big parlay or whatever you would like to share with the listeners. Yeah, let's go from top, from 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 the first fight all the way to the Habib. I'll go ahead and offer you all my 12 picks because I did it. You know, I didn't include them in, like, my majority of my parlays for some fights, but for the, my 12-teamer because I always do uh, one $20 parlay with 12 teams on there. and Like, not 12 teams, 12 fighters on there. And, you know, hope to hit the nuts. And I have done it before. And, you know, I can't say I've hit it many times, but I, I can't count on my fingers how many times I've been able to predict all 12 fights or 11 fights, um, which is awesome. I'm pretty sure a lot of people can do that. You know, you sometimes got to get lucky, but mm-hmm. um, we put a lot of work into this. So let me first start with the first fight. I like Joel Alvarez to win by submission or decision. Second fight, I like Casey Kenny to win by decision or however, however you'd like if you want to bet. Is there a, did they get rid of the women's fight, the Leon Jojua Miranda Maverick fight? I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything about that, but I'll offer my pick and I'll take Maverick by decision or submission. Because you, you want to know why I'm picking Maverick also? Alliteration name. Oh, that's, yeah. uh, that's for our people that listen to the Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we went on a rant about you should only draft people with alliteration because they're just better. Miranda mm-hmm. Maverick. Another alliteration hit right there. But Nabil, sorry for interrupting you. Oh, you're going good. on. Casey Kenny. Yeah, so we go from Casey Kenny by decision to Maverick by decision or submission. Um, I like Dunn on Jung to win by finish against Sam Alvey because Smiling Sam should not be fighting no more. I also like Shavgat Rachmanov to win by finish against Alex Oliveira because, man, these guys are just going to throw bombs. He is one of my favorite underdogs on this card. Um, Shafgat, if you can grab him a dog money right now, go ahead and bet that. Another fight that I really like, it was I got it a dog money. It was Tai Tuivasa by knockout against Stefan Struve, also another guy that should not be existing in the UFC right now. Uh, I will say, uh, Pierre, don't uh, if you listen to me, don't bet on this fight. It's two alliteration names. If you really <laughs> want to bet on this, look for the trashier tattoo or who lives in the larger country. Otherwise, I would stay away. Also, because it's just a heavyweight fight, but you I'll like Tuivasa. But you like Tuivasa, so I like Tuivasa. Yeah, I mean, Tuivasa comes from Australia or New Zealand. Um, Stefan Schroes comes from the Netherlands. Oh, uh, well, we hate the Dutch here. <laughs> Got awesome powers. So 
so we got to go with Tai Tuivasa. He also got the trashy tattoos. He got one that goes all the way from his thighs to his like upper belly. And oh, then this is my guy. This yeah. is that's pure trash. You know Mark Hunt, right? Yeah, I love Mark Hunt. That's his baby boy. Not, oh, not not his son, not his son, but um. Just like how uh, Chase Hooper's become Ben Askren's baby boy, which kills me a little bit on the inside because I don't like Askren that much, but I love Hooper. Oh, yeah. And Tai Tuivasa is his main sparring partner for like many, many years before mm. Mark Hunt, you know, retired. Um, you could, if you, if you see it, if you see him, you put him together, you're like, yep. He's also, I think Tai Tuivasa is married to um, Tyson Pedro's sister. So oh. they got a whole thing going on. And like, he's got it all going on for himself. Got it there. all going on. Let's and the on. alliteration name. He's just, he's got everything <laughs> going for him, to be completely honest. Oh, yeah. Everything is going straight for that bet. If you can get him a plus 100, go in and hammer that. Move on to the last, to the main card right now with the bets. I like Magomed and Kalayev to get their finish. Mm-hmm. Lauren Murphy to win by decision or late round finish. Phil Haas to win by KO or decision. I really see ending inside the distance. And then we go to the last three fights. Volkov by decision or late round ground and pound. Kananir by decision or KO. And then Habib by decision or submission because that dude is a straight beast. But that wraps up my 12 fights. Um, you know, once again, this has been awesome. I love talking about fights. Um, I, hey, I love having you on the program. And I love having your opinion. You're very knowledgeable in the UFC. And I love to expand, you know, my listeners, uh, I guess, uh, views on the UFC and stuff and trying to make it a bigger and larger sport here in the States. So Nabil, before we end the show, where can the people find you? Uh, where can they follow you for your hot and great betting takes, if you will? Yeah. If you guys want to look me up at Twitter, it's binkit26, or you can find me on Instagram at bink underscore it. Um, I'll go ahead. You know, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly active on both. Um, I actually threw like a four team parlay for the Europa league today and it, it hit, it hit massive. Um, Who was it? Who was the Europa league? Let's check it out. Um, let's see. I got my Twitter. Tottenham won today and that's all I cared about because Tottenham wanted to blow my money against West Ham this weekend. And I just said, <laughs> I wasn't going to bet anymore after that. I was like, I'm done. They were up three nothing. I should have cashed out when I had the chance, but I was at oh, work and I was man. like, they're up three nothing. I have no reason to worry. You got this. yeah so i have to take a little bit of a break from betting i mean i say that i might bet honestly saturday probably i won't but yeah but how how did your europa league parlay dude that europa league was hoffenheim tottenham leicester city and via real and they all smashed i mean that game i think hoffenheim tottenham and leicester were straight good the via via real game they were up 2-0 then that game was 2-2 then it was 3-2 then it was 3-3 and then it was 4-3, and then it was 5-3. And I'm like, come on, please give it to me. And I'm like, this is the last, you know, leg of my parlay. I'm like, they're not even offering me a cash out. And I had $300 on that parlay. And I'm like, give me something. <laughs> I want something back. Um, and I'm just sitting here sweating, no cash outs whatsoever. I had another parlay with um, those four. Let me pull it out real quick, man. That was nuts. It paid out 20 to 1. I had 50 bucks on it and that netted like 500. Let's see what it was. So it was Villarreal, Tottenham, Maccabi, Tel Aviv, Leicester City, Hoffenheim, AC Milan, and then Braga. So nice. dude, it was like, it was a seven teamer paid 20 to one. That was 500. What was it? 50 to win 550. The other one was 300 to win. I think it was seven, seven, seven twenty-five with your money back. Dude, it's been great. 
betting is always awesome. I cannot say how many times I have bet on third-party websites before this shit became legal. I never <laughs> saw my money. So I am very happy that DraftKings, FoxBet, Everything is legal out here. Everything yes. is freaking legal. It's ha- it's a happy time for me, man. You know, I lost my job um, back in March. I was furloughed like freaking two weeks into the COVID thing hitting. My job required a lot of meeting people and doing meetings and stuff like this. So I was I was basically furloughed right away. And then till today, I'm still furloughed. I'm technically like with the company, but they don't want me to work. So betting is my avenue to make an income um it it works i have been successful at it i always tell people do not gamble money you do not have yeah just because- i want to i want to put up a nice big disclaimer sorry to be i just want to say oh, don't have betting as an income it is a very dangerous <laughs> game to play do not nabil's success is different from everybody else's i will vouch for that you will win money i have won money i am mm-hmm. i am positive right now in my betting since i turned 21 but it's not, it's not the best way to have a source of income, but it is fun to do and mm-hmm. we like to do it. I like to do it, even though I just said that I was, you know, pissed off about it all. But Nabil, thank you so much for joining me once again. I'm, I love talking to you about UFC. You're great. You give great insight and everything. We already shouted you out. We know where the people can find you. So Thank you again for listening. Nabil, any last things to say to the listeners? We can just tell them that they suck and that's okay with me to be completely Honestly, honest. no, just bet responsibly. Um, go ahead and hit me up on freaking Twitter if I made a mistake or not Not even. Just go, let's, let's go ahead and conversate on Twitter. Hit me up. Um, send me a DM on Instagram. I always offer free picks. You want soccer, football, whatever it is, just shoot me a message. I'm always happy to help. Like I said, I do this for a living. So I put my actual hard earned money, hard earned money in the past into betting now. Um, so I, I'm not here just, you know, blabbing information out and not putting a dollar on it. I, even for the people that usually ask me, like I don't screenshot wins and post them on there just because some people would be like, oh, this guy's bragging constantly. Like, why are you doing this? So people He's that- here for you up, folks. He is your free resource for some pretty great wins. Nabil's giving me some pretty great wins. I could not vouch enough to follow him if you really have a big interest in betting. So definitely shoot me a message. Let's conversate on uh, social media and win all together. I mean, yeah. this is how it usually happens. We all win together. We lose together. This is life. Um, yeah, bad boys you, for life. Oh yeah. What? You want to nag too? I'm always willing to listen. <laughs> if yeah. you want to cry about your bets, because I do that too. Um, mm-hmm. Hit me up. Let me know. We'll cry together. Um, yep. We, we, well, me and Nabil have cried over bets together. I, he's yes, not making have. that up. We have cried over <laughs> bets together. I'll just text him at like eight after the game, like, fuck, dude, this game just went south. Like in yep. the last minute, this mm-hmm. team missed a field goal to like lose two grand. This team like missed a touchdown to cover. I'm like, mm-hmm. this happens to all of us. We're all betters. We all gamble. So we all understand each other. At the end of the day, let's get together and make some money. Exactly. Well, once again, thank you, Nabil, for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned as much as I did because I learned a lot and I already know Nabil and I just always learn whenever I talk to him. So again, thank you, Nabil, for joining us. Please remember to like, follow on our socials. I will, of course, post his socials in the links or I guess in the sections down below. Please comment, do whatever you can. And again, thank you for listening. Have a great day.